Whisper Nation. How's it going, guys? Welcome in. It is Thursday, April 21st, 2022. It is episode 267 of TFW Live. We're going to be talking rookie quarterbacks and tight ends, but if you are new to the TFW scene, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button on your way in. As we welcome in all of Whisper Nation, Freak Stomper, Calvin Brown, everybody else that's going to be rocking with us. I'm Big Travi. That's Austin Sear. That's Johnny Game Time Hicks. We are the Fantasy Whispers. And like I said, we're going to be talking quarterbacks and tight ends. But first, boys, you know, yesterday was 420, the day where everybody who smokes weed every day smoked weed. <laughs> yeah. so, no one should be in prison for smoking weed. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. So that being said, we like to start the show off recently with some word association. I'm going to say the word marijuana. What comes to mind, Austin? Freak stomper. <laughs> Freak stomper. <laughs> Down before the show. What about you, Johnny? I'd say uh, Little Wayne. Okay. Yeah. Feel that he always lights up right before the wrap. Did you guys enjoy your 420 yeah. holiday? I. Johnny. Go ahead. No, no, mine was in. Well, I, all I was gonna say is, dude, I went to a Little Wayne concert when I was like, I don't know, a freshman in college, and I will be honest with you guys, I don't know how they, so many people were able to get weed into this building, but they completely, dude, yeah, probably, <laughs> but it, dude, it was like a complete hot box in uh, what was America West Arena. You never snuck anything into a concert, bro. Uh, one oh, time you I did. Some, you one, some square, hey, hey, actually, I was supposed to, but then I gave it to Travis because I was scared. I got nervous at the last second. I was like, hey, Travis, here. You know, I went to go see a Little Wayne concert. It was supposed to play alongside Blink-182 and uh, on Enema of the State's 20-year reunion. And Lil Wayne decided he didn't want to perform that night. Oh, so I remember he, that. Dude. Yeah, and uh, that was the same night that we were picking up tickets from Will Call. Zabo had them, and I jumped in line with Zabo, and I ended up cutting Adam Devine, who was at the same show. And if you're watching Adam, I just want to say I wasn't actually cutting you because I wasn't another transaction at the window. I was just keeping my homie company, who's going to handle all of it. it so regardless really. of one extra body being in front of you, you know, it wasn't actually slowing down the process. But he got a little tipped, and he moved out to the side and went to another window. But Specifically on this 420, it was great. It was cool. One fun thing, Chelsea and I were walking on Sunset Boulevard and a uh, houseless man was there and he we looked at him, he looked at us and he said, happy 420. And we're like, happy 420, man. He's like, time to get high as hell. And he opened up a thing and he just started going with it. And uh, that's what happened. Did he give and you some? We didn't stay a lot. We didn't, no. we didn't stay there to ask, but uh, no, like, he didn't. Wow. But wow. we were on the move. But the other thing is uh, 420 is Chelsea and my anniversary. And yesterday was our 10-year anniversary. Congratulations. Oh, happy anniversary, guys. And yeah. I know Whisper Nation is going to be out here wishing you a happy anniversary as well. We hope that Whisper Nation and the boys enjoyed their 420 and that Austin and Chelsea enjoyed their anniversary. We're going to move on, though, to the news and notes section of the show because, guys, we could have just done a whole show on this. Debo Samuel basically – this is what happened. We've had one of the craziest off seasons ever. And I'm not just, this isn't hyperbole. This has been the craziest off season ever. And Debo Samuel basically said, hold my beer because I'd like to, I'd like to throw my name into the ring as well here. Jeff Darlington broke news yesterday. He said, he works for ESPN. He said, breaking news. I just spoke to wide receiver Debo Samuel. And he told me that he has asked the 49ers to trade him. 
He did not want to discuss the specific reasons behind his request, but he has indeed let the 49ers know his desire to leave the organization more to come. There has been a little bit more to come. We've seen Debo basically, you know, kind of we've seen his camp posture and say that he didn't he wasn't being maybe offered compensation to equate the fact that he was a running back as well. So I'm just going to turn it over to my guys here. First, Austin, I just want to know your thoughts on this whole Debo situation before we let uh, Johnny speak on it as well. First thoughts is this has something else to do other than money. It doesn't sound like he is totally trying to leverage himself. To me, it sounds like he's really willing to walk away. I don't know what happened in those conversations, but the way that he came out with the ferocity and the clarity of his statements, like this doesn't seem totally just like, hey, I want more money. It seems like I'm comfortable switching situations, and that's actually what I would prefer. Yeah, Johnny, when we talked a little bit about Debo a week ago, two weeks ago, was it, I think, and basically we said, hey, he had scrubbed his his social media, and you kind of said, look, I think guys are kind of overreacting. They maybe, you know, when they do this, this maybe isn't such a big, you know, uh, big tool for them, but this one is. I mean, he told a reporter he wants out. He's officially requested a trade here, and what are you thinking, um, you know, is is the culprit for all this from what you've seen on Twitter? Me. Clearly, he watches the show and was yeah, very he said, offended. He's like, I'll yeah. show you. He said, he basically, said, Johnny said, you won't. Yeah, he said, yeah, exactly. And he said, oh, I will. Watch me. Uh, well, I do think it's very, very interesting how this whole timeline is kind of being, you know, ha- you know, is happening and, and rolled out. You've got San Francisco that is saying we're not trading Debo. The other wild part of this and what, you know, keeps being brought up is like, this system truly made Debo what he was or or at least took advantage of all those different pieces and really maximize those pieces. Now, it is being rumored and talked about that it could potentially be that, you know, they did offer him a massive amount or at least the high, one of the highest paid wide receivers, but he also wanted to be compensated because he's partially running back, taking those hits. And so he wanted to be compensated for that and they didn't want to. They were just saying, hey, this is what we'll pay you for a wide receiver market or whatnot, which is massive. But again, you've got these players who, especially in, in today's you know game now where, hey, we can, you know, if I don't get what I want, I know teams will want me because I've seen in the media and stuff. And so I'll just demand a trade and someone will will be out there and want want my services. And so, uh, yeah, I think it is uh, a very interesting time right now in sports and and well i should say in nfl uh nba has been doing this for a while but yeah i want to bring up here ronald's point travi he comes in and says he has some gigantic balls for taking that stance with his injury history with a year left on his contract i would offer a counterpoint that maybe this is actually the least ballsy thing that he could be doing in a sense of if he did just come off a crazy year and he does have this injury history is there ever a better opportunity to try to reach for more than reach right for now? your bag? Yeah, I mean, I think it's smart of him to cash out just based on the style of the system that he's in, the style of play that he has. If he's going to continue to play any of that running back, even though he says, you know, we're hearing that his camp doesn't want him to. Yeah, it's smart for you to go and cash in right now, because otherwise what's going to happen is you'll get hurt again next year and you had your chance to get that bag and you don't get it in the last year of your deal. And I'll argue a little bit like he's 
in his third, that was his third year last year. He only had the injury history in his second year. His first year, he was kind of in and out of the lineup and actually doing okay. So um, I remember having Debo in his rookie year and like him actually being a, a guy that I picked up off waivers that was really good. So I think there's a situation that maybe he's not as injury prone as we want to say. I mean, last year he rode, he, he only got injured at the very last game, right? I think uh, in the NFC championship. So We'll, we'll see what happens there with that. But Johnny had mentioned, you know, he's got this leverage of other teams will want him. You know, the score put out five potential spots, Austin, the Jets, the Saints, the Packers, the Chiefs, and the Eagles. Of those spots, I mean, where would you want to see Debo traded to the most? The uh, Jets, Saints, Packers, Eagles, and... Yeah, Jets, Saints, Packers, Chiefs, and Eagles. Chiefs and Eagles. The, I know it's a Sean Payton-less Saints but the saints are the team that stood out to me the most from the beginning, given their ability and history, getting the most out of these offensive weapons, Alvin Kamara, uh, slant boy, uh, even the way that they were able to utilize uh, Drew Brees and, you know, extend his prime in a lot of different ways, even though he couldn't really throw the ball all that far, as we saw with Jameis Winston coming in and like outdoing him in like two games uh, in terms of a deep throw ability. So I like what the saints have shown, However, Sean Payton is gone, and I think a lot of the credit needs to be thrown his way for the offensive systems they were able to run. Um, outside of that, though, I mean, our Packers could certainly use one. I would like that. That would be cool. Um, and the Chiefs are another team that have been able to utilize talent in interesting ways. Tyreek Hill, um, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes even. So those are the ones that come to me the most. I, I would like just to see him continue to be used in an outside-the-box type of way because he made – out. I mean, he was right behind quarterbacks in terms of the impact Debo Samuel was able to bring to his offense. Yeah, I mean, he rivaled Cooper Cup last year, who was the triple crown, right? The triple crown winner at the wide receiver. And this is a guy that was as valuable, if not more valuable to his team uh, mm -hmm. than Cooper Cup situation. Want to say what's up to Pizza Belly? He says, That's hey, it! Oh, missed out on the streams live. Well, you didn't miss this one. You're here. Getting pumped Love for it. the NFL draft, which we will be streaming live next week. So make sure you have yourself uh, subscribe to our channel and your notifications turned on Love the oh. shouts come in oh. i i also uh, nice do um, you think I, that he feels san fran isn't a contender going forward too what well, maybe i mean maybe he saw trey lance last year and he's not vibing it johnny you had mentioned off air that he likes jimmy garoppolo so maybe the the youth movement in san fran is part of the reason why he wouldn't be interested in sticking around i to me, I don't know if that's the issue. I think San Fran's going to be. I mean, that team is is loaded, especially on defense. Yeah, I, I there are reports he doesn't want to play in San Francisco, so or that he has said that himself. So I, it is very interesting. I think I don't know why the Eagles aren't trying to go get him because they have a, a plethora of picks. They have the need of a wide receiver. They're not great at drafting wide receivers. Also, in that article, is kind of funny. Uh, they said that, you know, they gave the draft pick compensation and they also said the Eagles would send Rhaegar uh, uh, over there. And I'm thinking like, why would San Francisco want him? And then, but then on the background, but then I immediately was like, wait a second, this actually, that would actually work out for San Francisco because then they could potentially get his somewhat replacement. Now, am I saying, you know, Rhaegar is Debo? Not at all, but I'm saying that, uh, he would be used uh, and utilized potentially better underneath Kyle Shanahan. The other thing I just want to mention that is, you know, while everyone's talking, you know, uh, and, and looking high, 
you kind of want to look low, go low and yeah you, you're gonna go low here and here's this no one's really talking about this much Brandon Ayuk then would become one of the biggest beneficiaries and nobody's really talking about Brandon Ayuk right now or the potential that he could be then the number one there. And we already know the talent is there. We were super hyped on him last year. All of a sudden Brandon Ayuk would become that number one there. And, and he's also a yak monster. Let's not forget. Like that was why they drafted Brandon Ayuk. So yeah, I know Austin's really excited because he's got him on his dynasty team, but uh, yeah, that is something that if you are in Dynasty right now, I would low-key be trying to go and get Brandon Ayuk because... You you're pulling one over on people? No, I'm not. I mean, <laughs> not on a story no, I'm not, 24 you, hours. Hey, oh, man. Unbelievable. But the Ayuk did, side is a real impact, it? right? That we're not talking about it. Or, did you think did about you, it, Travis? Yeah. yeah did, did you? I thought about it. Oh, you did Did you put in a trade offer right now to Brandon Ayuk for No, but that's how's my inbox looking? You can't say you were thinking about it. How's my inbox looking, Travis? That doesn't mean that I, I don't have maybe. logic. Like, of course, oh, you don't stands have... to benefit. Of course, Kittle stands to benefit from Debo Samuel leaving. You thought right, right, Elijah right. Mitchell you, you... should deserve a bump because he won't have red zone carries taken from him. Of Hold on. Guys, Let yeah, me like... tell you are telling me. I want you to tell with. I want you. To look are you at really saying this? Are you you in the last 24 hours? You're telling me that you thought, hey, Debo, I should tell people. That Debo is an extreme buy right now, or that that Ayuk is an extreme buy right now. Buy, no, but I do think that he stands to benefit, and I think it's wild that you think that you would be the only person on the planet to think that Ayuk would benefit from Debo Samuel leaving. Of course, I'm not the only one. I'm just one of the only ones going to talk about it. It's a great take. It's a great take. What do you guys think about this, though? Really quick, substantially speaking, how much value in fantasy? Uh, how much is it impacted if he isn't used the same as he is used last year? I mean, he had 1,400 receiving yards and six receiving touchdowns, 18.25 yards per catch. That's pretty right. good from a, just a flat-out receiver standpoint. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this but... is something we've already talked about as well if he were to stay on the Niners, right? The mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns is something that we were like – we were not – there's two things. I, I've I've stood in the camp. Let's say he stays in San Francisco. I've stood in the camp He's saying standing that in that camp. If he stays in San Francisco, then I don't think yes, of course the touchdowns are going to come down, but I don't think the regression is so bad that you should be ditching mm. Debo as a draft target this year because again, he is a focal point of the offense. Now, Pizza Belly makes a great uh, you know, point here. If he goes to Philly, like you know, we we're talking about, it could be a decent, you know, if he goes to even Green Bay. He's not going to be used the same way as he was in San Francisco. They've got other weapons and, and you know, that's how they're going to do it. So I, I would I would say that he's probably his best option fantasy wise is probably to stay with San Francisco uh, yeah. to maximize his return. But I don't know if you guys agree with that. I, that's I think of- I think I think if he went to Green Bay, I could see Rogers forcing him the ball the way he did with Adams. And just being like, go, go be a yeah, pit bull. It's like you could get something in the middle of the six and 10, like the six receiving and 10 rushing touchdowns with Rodgers. Cause we already saw double digit touchdowns out of Adams all the time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a good and point. And James Jones. Yeah. The, the NFL right. player, James yep. Jones, <laughs> the moon balls. Yeah. yeah. So two days ago, the big news was that there were three wide receivers that went to camp or didn't go to camp. And they were Debo Samuel, obviously that blew up, A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin. So focusing on A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin, because theirs hasn't escalated to this magnitude yet, which of these wide receivers do you think has the best chance to escalate? In other words, which of these 
probably gets traded of the two, or do they stay put, Is if that's your opinion? And where would you like to see them go if they do move? Johnny, I'll start with you. So I do think that uh, Terry McLaurin ends up getting dealt. I just have this feeling, uh, and I'll tell you why. It's like, it, no, no, it's – okay, so Terry McLaurin had put out a tweet a couple weeks back um, that was – it was just unusual. Um, and then – and it kind of hinted at the potential that he could be on the move. And then you did have – on that same day, you had – the green Bay Packers come out the front office and they were like, Hey, they had hinted that they were going like, they're like, people get excited because on draft night, there's going to be some sparks flying. And like, they kind of hinted that there could be a potential uh, for some kind of trade. Right. And so if you're just a speculate, a speculatory guy like myself uh, and like, like to read into conspiracy theories a little too much, you, you might expect or you might think that hey, uh, Washington could end up getting and trading McLaurin to the Packers. They need a wide receiver. That would be absolutely nasty. Uh, and then you already know that the Packers were willing to pay Devontae Adams. He just didn't want to play there. Imagine, like McLaurin's not going to be upset from going from, you know, what he's been having as the quarterback and then or the potential of Carson Wentz to, hey, now you get to go play with Aaron Rodgers. He's going to he's going to be like, oh, hell yeah, let me go. Let's go. And then I, I think that that could be a fantastic landing spot. I am very intrigued by McLaurin of all because I do actually think he gets dealt out of all these wide receivers. I think he's the like most likely to be dealt. You think and, more likely he gets dealt than Debo? Yes, I do. And I, but I do think that AJ Brown ends up staying. I don't think AJ Brown gets traded. I'm with Johnny for the most. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw you confirming with Johnny. Are you with him on that? More, more or less. Yeah. And the reason why I'll start with AJ Brown first, in my opinion, it makes absolutely zero sense for the number one seed in the AFC to trade their number one wide receiver who is 24 years old, has had a lot of injuries in the past, but you're not banking on him continuing with this injury history in the same way you wouldn't consider it for any player. Like it's, it, I don't think we see AJ Brown as a, as a frequent injury player or an injury risk. Um, especially not if we go you know, compared to Debo Samuel in these ways, but AJ Brown, in my opinion is just as good as any other wide receiver one coming into this year in terms of potential they need a wide receiver one. They have one under contract. They've seen what he can do. He can boss mode out. He said all the right things. As far as I know, A.J. Brown has done all the right things, and he's a key ingredient to the number one seed in the AFC last year's success. Terry McLaurin, on the other hand, I mean, this guy is awesome. I mean, any four out of the five times he got five targets last year, five catches, he broke 100 yards. He, and it's a shame that he only had five games with five catches. You know, that's ridiculous in my opinion. So he's drastically underutilized and the Washington football team or the commandos or whatever, they don't have any real thing to build upon right now. I know every team is coming in is like, we're going to, you know, we, we got a chance, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, chill. Like you guys aren't real contenders. You guys are still building it up. Um, Ron Rivera, I think is really good. I think Antonio Gibson is really good. I think they certainly got pieces, but they're pieces. And I think that you can trade Terry McLaurin, who is, while he's coming to his fourth year, he's 26. Like, he's a little bit older 
He came in a little bit later than some of these other guys. So I just don't think he fits their timeline all that well. Now, if they really think they've got a chance and Carson Wentz is feeling like his MVP Philly self, okay, fine. Like you need, you, you need a wide receiver one. And Terry McLaurin, in my opinion, is a wide receiver one. He just needs to be in the right game plan. I don't think that they believe they have one in Washington. So it makes sense to trade him out for some, some first round picks and some other pieces like that. Um, But the Titans, they were the number one seed in the AFC. So like build upon your success and go do it again. You know, there's no better setup in the man in the game than Austin, who has to continuously say how AF, the uh, Titans were the number one seed in the AFC because I had forgotten. And I'm glad he did because you will forget that. He also yeah. set it up by saying the Commandos would have been a much better name than Commanders. And I agree. Oh, just I mean, who had a worse offseason than Washington, man? Just when we were getting on the Washington football team as a name, they oh. changed it up. And they put that freaking picture of Carson Wentz out there. It looks like he's recovering drug addict like that was the worst they put that picture out there like you got to choose the lighting yeah they they did the, they did the lighting it was their photographer crazy they're like we have to make everything else the worst so that what we're actually doing, lower expectations yeah, so much. it's actually better uh it, or seems better than what is actually going on uh yeah pay no attention to the man behind them with the curtain We've got one more piece of news to go over. Uh, Giants head coach Brian Dable said that Kadarius Tony was not there at voluntary pre-draft minicamp. Says Tony hasn't received the playbook yet because they haven't done anything virtual. Dable is careful to remind everyone that this is a voluntary camp. Johnny's happy about him reminding them. But given Tony's history, this is noteworthy. Johnny. Is it noteworthy, like our Pat Leonard is saying here? You can find him on Twitter, at PLeonardNYDN. Or is it more like Dable saying it's voluntary, it doesn't really matter? I'll be honest. When I first saw this, I was like, you know me, OTAs, whatever. You know, like, yeah, it's like – would it be nice to see players there? And like, Yeah, it's like it's always, like, assuring, but it's like – at the end of the day, it's it is voluntary. Like they they have a lot of camps coming up uh, that where they could do a Johnny lot. Johnny was know? a Johnny read the Spark Notes a lot. Yeah, I read the Spark Notes a lot. But here's the the part that is kind of considered like when you look at the past history and the fact that like Kadarius Tony he did this last year right as a rookie. What up four twenty? Uh, and then he missed all of off season or like the the preseason right got injured and then he's doing this again it is very concerning to me because he is a young player he has shown explosive tendencies and trust me like i am one one of his biggest hype boys uh because i love Kadarius tony and what after seeing what he could do but i am afraid that you know we it was funny we were talking about you know some divas and and things like that before the show and like what you know Diva what vibes on Tony. Yeah, it, it's, yeah that's so. I want to ask. Me concerned. I want to ask Austin. I want to just put it in a little bit. Of, Johnny started to do it there. Missed all of preseason, right? Last year had an injury, so missed most of the first start of the year. Plays in one game, is electric. Looks yeah. like he's got the glitch speed. Looks great. Sure. Gets kicked out of that game because he punched someone. Right. Right. Well, almost and getting then, 200 and receiving then his, yards, and by then the way. injury prone the rest mm-hmm. of the year, never really gets going. Obviously, the Giants are a dumpster fire the rest of the year. Are we – this is a real deal. Like, are we off of Tony because, like, there's just too many red flags? This is like a dating situation. How many red flags do we need before we're like, nah, I'm not going on another date with you? <laughs> 
I'm concerned about Tony. I'm concerned about Tony in the same way that I'm concerned about Rashad Perriman. And like, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get way too a uh, uh, grab bag psychologist on this one here, but I think that Kadarius Tony is like a bit of a dopamine addict, and I don't think he's actually committed to reaching for more. I think he's committed to getting his. And I, I okay, tell me if I'm crazy on this one, but I can't get this thought out of my head going back to my own high school uh, football and and varsity sports days. You start to watch the way people deals with little injuries. You start to watch the way your own teammates get a little bit of a pull, a little bit of a hurt, you know, a little bit of a contusion, you know, these things that you could make. Your coach gives you a choice. They say like, oh, you know, are you okay or do you need to sit out? And there's this moment. You're in a mental crossroads right there. And you can say, do I lean in and do I play on this injury? Do I play sub 100% or do I take the out? And I just remember watching guys develop habits of taking the out. And you just start to watch it like, oh, this guy's got a little ankle sprain. This guy's got a, he's a little banged up here, there, and he's just sitting out. He's making a choice to sit out, to sit out, to sit out, to sit out, to sit out. And I'll tell you what, man, it's fucking nice to sit on the sidelines and watch other people bust their ass. Especially it makes you feel paid dude, for it. it well, it's true. And so when you start to develop a habit of this and you're still a stud and you continue to get rewarded and you continue to take time off whenever it's allotted to you, pair that with not showing up when you could, but you choose not to. It just really feels like he's trying to feed his himself instead of trying to become his best self. It does feel like a lot of ego is there with Tony. I mean, of course, like you came right into this game and punched someone like that. That screams ego to me. And then if you're not here on voluntary, like that's a guy that needs to be there. Like, yeah, you're in your second year, homie, with a new offensive system. You need to be there. Sleep there. Yeah, I just I don't. I don't get it, but one, thing, really quick, one question I'm here and whisper nation. If you have any stats on this, cause we were talking before the show about OTAs and how significant they are or are not. What I would be interested in is looking at players that we have the utmost respect for. I'm talking about Tom Brady's. I'm talking about JJ Watts. I'm talking about some of these guys who have zero questions of their character. What do they do with OTAs? What's their history been? They wear Crocs. Yeah, Tony does not wear Scott, Crocs. Scott says Tony wears Crocs. What's up, Scott? What up, Scott? 420 hey. telling us that he was a 420 survivor here. Thank hey. 420. Yeah, that'd be interesting to take a look at that. But we're going to take a look at some quarterbacks and tight ends Good in segue. the rookie class for 2022 in the form of the pre-draft like we've been doing, but we combine tight ends and, and quarterbacks one because we've been told and we can look and we've been looking at film that this is a weaker quarterback and tight end pool that we're pulling from. So we've got two tight ends and four quarterbacks. We're going to go over with you. If you guys got some guys you're really pumped on, let us know in the comments, of course. And if you're new to the channel, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're watching and make sure you got your notifications on because next week we're going to watch these dudes get drafted live at the NFL draft. We're going to be doing it right here with you, Whisper Nation. Yeah, I'm so pumped for that. Boom. I'm going to see. I'm excited for what deals. Uh, this is a crazy offseason. It's got to keep getting crazier, right? Like, guys won out. Guys have picks. Like, teams have multiple picks in the first. Let's see some deals happen. But 
First, we're going to talk a little bit of a hypothetical here with the tight ends, and we're going to start with Isaiah Likely. He was out of Coastal Carolina. He's probably the tier break. You know, a lot of people like Trey McBride as the number one tight end in this class. Isaiah Likely is kind of creeping up boards here as the second best tight end. Coastal Carolina, six foot five, two hundred and forty-five pounds. PFF is comping him to Robert Tunyon. I'm going to share my screen here and get some of this PFF goodness up here. Like, While you're bringing that up, I just want to draw attention to Freak Stomper's comment. Did he say unquestioned character? Maybe that was too broad a brush because Spygate and Deflategate certainly do point to character components. However, I would say that my comment was related specifically to his own team's chemistry and success percentage bringing it forward. So Deflategate, Spygate, so on and so forth have all been things to help his team win. And that's really what I'm getting at. Yeah, like he, he probably will do anything to win and that will cause some question marks to his character. But that was a little different. As, as Larry Fitzgerald would say, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I don't know if that's, did he say that? Yeah, he actually did say that. Really? Yeah, so then it changed my that's viewpoint because I was like, oh, I look up to Larry Fitzgerald. So now I believe that, you know, if I, if I'm not cheating, I'm not trying. So no, I would say you should, it's, it's, I don't actually go by that. I like it the way my dad says it. He's like, we will win at whatever cost it takes, but we are going to go the high road. Now, if we are forced by others to take a different path, so be it. We will do whatever we need to do to win, but we have no interest in taking the low road. That's not where we want to go. We want to play our best version of ourselves. The versions that our grandparents would be proud to witness. I mean, we could spend a whole podcast talking about the merits of cheating or not cheating as far as in games, but I'm, uh, you want to? I, I, you know, I kind of do, that's the problem, yeah. but we will have to get through this show. So let's do that here. And I don't mean through it. I want to really enjoy this and I really want to enjoy the tight end section mm-hmm. here. We're going to talk about Isaiah likely first coastal Carolina. Like I said, six foot five, 245 pounds. PFF here says shades of Robert Tunyon. When we looked at player profiler, they said the comp was Harrison Bryant. Um, I mean, nothing really jumping off the page at you here as far as his stats and even his film. Austin, when we watched him, he didn't really impress you or, or, or really get you going as far as a tight end's concerned, right? He looked like a decent wide receiver, but nothing special. And we weren't blown away by any of the other metrics, blocking numbers or, or physicality or anything like that. He looks like he's going to fill in for your NFL team OK-wise, but I'm not seeing an impact player in his first couple of years from a fantasy perspective, Travi. Yeah, and especially, Johnny, we have to get to a situation where he's going to have to do the other things well to stay on the field as a tight end and to develop. And it looks like he's, you know, that move tight end. You know, they talk about it here, PFF does. Do you see him being anything that's going to – anything in the immediate future? You said when we watch film, it's going to take him a while, right? Yeah, it's going to take him a while, and, you know, he's likely – to be moved to the wide receiver position and be like a hybrid tight end wide receiver. The interesting thing is he's not like, at least what I saw on tape, uh, he didn't seem to be a great blocker. Not a lot of tight ends are. It's something that they have to like develop and they go to tight end university if they are invited. Uh, so hi- hopefully Isaiah Fair likely, yeah, yeah, hopefully they get, he gets invited. Uh, but again, I could see depending on what kind of, team he goes to there could be games where like you know he could show some really nice uh uh you know ability over the middle especially with his hands what i really don't want this is what i fear to be honest with you guys what are you afraid of 
<laughs> he, I, I think, I think this could be a guy like Baltimore gets, mm. and it's like, and it's just like, come on, Mark Andrew, and and all they would do is put this guy in on certain packages, probably around the red area, and he would just gobble up touchdowns from from Mark Andrews. Take five touchdowns away, yeah. So, the course of the year, yeah. yeah. But but again, I I do think it you know tight ends once again are they take a couple of years usually uh, to become somewhat fantasy relevant, and that's yeah. if your name isn't Kyle Pitts or T.J. Hawkinson, right? And that's right. and I think that's what likely is going to be, right? He's likely to be one of those guys that ends up being a guy that like takes time if he does. You know, I see Ronald in here. He says, "You really want to enjoy a tight end, Travi? I'm sure that can be arranged." Oh, you nasty! Oh. <laughs> he got dirty, but I, you know, Johnny was getting dirty too. He said he started off a tight end, going to make him a wide receiver. That's not something you want to hear out of a tight end prospect. Um, but you know, no. No. we're talking about round well, well. six. Well, I mean, Gasecki's the only one I can think of that like has kind of panned into that. That's really worked. Can you think? What of about some, like uh, what about like Jimmy, Jimmy Graham? Graham back yeah, in Jimmy the Graham day. was still a tight end. They didn't change him to wide receiver. Probably just for uh, well, he did contractual hey, purposes. You know, hold on, he did. The PFF he did. makes Go here on. is that he is a move tight end in a league that doesn't really do that anymore. They need him to block. Right, but but I will say that Jimmy Graham did file a lawsuit against New Orleans because he did want to be. Now he lost. I'll preface it. He did lose this case. But I know he sued him. He, yeah, he sued them because he wanted to be paid like a wide receiver because all of his numbers are wide receiver numbers, yet they wanted to use him and, and label him as a tight end because the cap and the amount that you pay, even for an elite tight end, is much, much less than what you would pay for a wide receiver. So it was something like they it would be like 80 million versus like the 30 million or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, so, yeah, something very interesting. We'll take a look at the most interesting tight end in the group, and that is Trey McBride. He is the number one tight end that we have on the board. This is a projected third rounder. PFF being very nice here, shades of Dallas Goddard. Remember, when Goddard came out, he was the number one tight end prospect in that draft class. So that's what we think about Trey McBride as well. Player profiler says Heath Miller, great comp there as mm -hmm. well. So if you're getting that kind of attention, plus you're six foot four, 246 pounds. One over 1,000 yards last year at Colorado State. I mean, he just looks like a beast. He had a PFF grade of 94.7. Awesome. When we, we watched this tape, did you see what PFF, what player profile, what people are saying about him as a tight end prospect? I did, but that translates to almost nothing in fantasy, if you're <laughs> asking he, me right now. Uh, yeah, he saw yeah. it, and he rookie, hit the I, dislike I guess, button. I guess no, did you see enough on the tape dynasty wise to be looking at like for me, McBride fit matters everything. Like that's what it's gonna like mm -hmm. he needs to right land in the right situation. Is that kind of how you felt about it or yes. Okay. Yes. He is a he's more likely a jag, just a guy to me. And that's no disrespect on the man's talent. It is extremely difficult to become a starting player in the NFL. And I think that he will become a starting player, but we talk about tight ends all the time, like outside of you know three to five of them it's they're they're streamers and i think trey mcbride looks like a streaming a tight end that, yeah, he looks like a future <laughs> yeah, streamer to me i can see that johnny are you are you lukewarm on on trey mcbride as well or do you think that you i mean i'm just waiting for him to land somewhere that's that's tight end needy you know like what if he goes what if he goes to joe burrow and the Bengals? are you a little does that get you going does that get you excited 
They did just trade, didn't they trade for Austin Hooper? Uh, oh, the Bengals. Uh, did I, they? I think. I think. Uh, somebody I traded. So somebody traded for Austin Hooper. I do know that the Browns did trade him. Um, and I thought it was Cincinnati because I remember going, "Oh, Titans. there goes the high." Titans. Oh, the Titans got Austin Hooper. Interesting. Huh. Um, who did, I, I, anyway, um, but yeah, so in that case, I guess if Cincinnati, if no one did get traded since then, that would become an interesting spot. Because uh, yeah, Austin's uh, boy Uzama went to the Jets, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another, <laughs> another, another spot. Uh, out of the, your, out of your bet slip and onto the Jets. <laughs> Bye-bye. Speaking of j- just a guy, I mean, the Jags. Uh, talking about, you know, Dallas shades of Dallas Goddard going to uh, what was the head coach who drafted Dallas Goddard uh, and and know, knows sorry. how to use tight ends. Uh, that would be uh, Doug. Peterson. That, yeah, Doug Peterson. So, yeah, there are a couple of teams where the path could be opened to a guy like Mc, uh, McBride to you know, potentially show his flashes early on. And that's what you're kind of looking for. But again, usually even with, you know, some of these really great tight ends that we've seen, it takes a couple of years before, you know, even Mark Andrews, like it it takes a couple of years before they're really trustworthy in your fantasy lineup. Yeah. So I I guess I'm just trying to get excited about Trey McBride, but you guys are probably right. I mean, draft him, then you'll get excited about him. Do it. Should have a little bit of caution with Trey McBride, depending on, you know, where he lands, of course. Just do it, man. Yeah. Just, and also you do it. You know where I'd like him to go is Denver. He's from Colorado State. He goes to Denver. We don't have to worry about Albert O being some guy here. We can just go with Trey McBride to (laughs) Russell Wilson. I kind of think it's a good fit. Um, all right. Well, that kind of wraps it up for tight ends. Obviously, the, you know, not as the underwhelming portion of the show. But now we get into the guys, the gunslingers, the <laughs> the uh, captains, the, you know, the the signal callers, our quarterbacks here. And, our you know, we weren't even get, we were only going to do three. But Johnny said, hey, you got to get this guy in here. And we, a late add to the show was Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. And I saw that Whisper Nation was in the chat already talking about him because he has been climbing up people's boards as of late. I got to scroll all the way down. Can I, can I just – I'll take a – can I take a quick victory lap on that one? Did your boy not say that Whisper Nation would be bringing him up in the chat before the show? Take that victory lap, baby. Sure, man. Oh, yeah. Take I'm victory lap it. Run it hey, forwards right. and backwards, man. Go. Hey. Run it. Come on, hey, run it. Do we have the where you, where you uh, hold on. run? Hey, I'm gonna Where's do it. Lap. Hey, you ready? Woo! Oh, you get yeah, that's my uh, yeah, that's my uh, victory lap there, baby. Uh, that was that have, was you you went too far on that. I wanted for, the but... uh I wanted I wish oh actually sorry, I should have went with this one. I should this is the one I should have went with. Sorry. Yeah, that's a little. That one is more appropriate. That, yeah, you touched one. on something a little bit sacred, and I'm going to check okay. it just a little My bit. Bad. My bad. That's the super chat hit. You are bad. I was you. I mean, you're you a naughty boy. <laughs> you guys put me on the spot. So that was. But kind of put yourself on. You're going to put Desmond Ritter on the spot right now. He went to Cincinnati. He's six foot three, two hundred seven pounds, or at least that's what PFF thinks. We don't really know. I'm not weighing him every morning, but <laughs> uh, PFF says his comp is shades of Josh Johnson. Who we had to, you know, figure out who that Who's was. Who's that? <laughs> Player profiler did say Alex Smith, though. If we look at I know it, him. We've got some numbers we like here. Utah. Um, yep, that's right. He did go. Uh, Alex Smith did go to Utah. Yards per attempt for our guy, Desmond Ritter, 8.6. 
we looked at the tape, Austin. Anything jump out at you, particularly with Desmond Ritter? Um, I know we're going to talk about all these guys, and it's not a very strong class, but anything that you really liked about Ritter here? Oh, I, I no. Um, I'll just say no. But I'm, just, I'm, just, like, I'm going to cut this really straight for Whisper Nation right here. I'm looking here to add value to your fantasy football team. And you're going to be thinking about drafting Ritter in Dynasty or Redraft. I did not see anything out of Desmond Ritter that gets me more excited than any other general pocket-type passing quarterback we've ever seen come out. We like we get really excited about uh, guys like Josh Rosen, and we don't think twice about guys like Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like these statuesque, smartish kind of good football players are found across the board. And what they did in college is not enough for me to get excited unless they have some significant physical abilities or some mental abilities that's, that really set them apart. And I'm just not like a cannon arm, jet legs. Um, and throw some, over a mountain. Exactly. <laughs> throw it over the mountains. You know what I mean? Robotic something arm, something uh, that sets them apart. I didn't see enough out of Ritter to get me excited. I'm that's not a knock on him. I'm not surprised at all. If he succeeds, I'm just not able, I can pretend and give you, give you a take. That's going to be like, Oh, it, it tips this way or that way. I just don't have that. I'm going to need to see him actually do something behind an NFL center uh, before I'm going to be putting any weight into him. He seems fine. He yeah, Johnny, we look at some of these advanced metrics from PFF. He's not like wowing you in any of them. I'd say, you know, deep yards, he's 10th. We like that turnover worthy plays. He's got a low rate of 2.2%. They think that he wins in processing speed. They like him as a quick passer in the NFL. You're the one who, you know, wanted him on the show here, not trying to make you put your money where your mouth is. But when, when you looked at his tape, what got you excited about Ritter? I do think, you know, you talk about, you know, the processing speed, like there were some plays that, you know, most quarterbacks would have probably taken a sack or it would have been a negative play, but he was able to quickly decipher where the pressure was coming from, get the ball out of his hands. And, 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 and like, the other thing is like when he was rolling out, he was pretty accurate from what I saw on tape. He, he looked fairly accurate on the run. So you're talking about a, a guy who, if he potentially goes to a zone running scheme system, could actually be pretty good and actually succeed. Now, does he? Have, you don't have to be the most talented, and 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 you know, you just have to have really good decision making when you're playing in those kind of systems. And so, can he do that? I, I did see it. There were a couple of plays where he got the D end to fr really freeze because they were worried about those legs if, with him taking off and running. And it really froze that D end. He was able to make, you know, a couple of them. I was like, wow, that's a nice pass uh, that he made uh, that you need to be able to make in the pros. And uh, it was a walk-in touchdown. And so uh, I do think that there is upside again. We talked about this kind of whole thing with quarterbacks you kind of want to go with the upside and the and you swing for that upside, especially as you're getting a little bit later in, you know, in the draft and some of these cool, you know, picket will most likely be off the board and, you know, um, and then Willis will probably be off the board. Uh, and, and so you just look at that potential upside versus, hey, you know, look at the quarterbacks that are right here. Is there any real upside or are they just going to be another, you know, quarterback that, 
could potentially be a, a decent starter for us. I think Ritter actually has the potential to uh, really kind of impress people, to be it's, honest it's, with you. It's kind of a conundrum here. They've got his processing speed as a huge win for him. He must you know, work through his reads really well. And then his average time to throw, he ranks 67th in the nation. So he's not exactly quick getting the ball out of his hands. But uh, that could be, you know, a detriment to him. But to Johnny's point about the run, you know, getting people to fake or to bite, you know, the DN, he had 500 um, or more rushing yards <laughs> in three of four seasons. Yeah, Ronald and Scott not really loving our guy Desmond no. Ritter. Um, They're saying and- Tim Tebow. Well, you know, a lot of people love Tim Tebow. I'll tell you, I'm not a fan of Tim Tebow. We're going to move on to Matt Corral as our next quarterback to talk about here. And uh, if you thought that the you know quarterback class was going to get more exciting, it doesn't get much more exciting with Matt Corral here. But we'll go ahead and bring him up here again. This is a you know what a lot of pundits are calling a weak weaker draft class. Matt Corral went to Ole Miss. Um, he is six foot two, two hundred twelve pounds. They you know PFF got him. His comp is shades of Jim McMahon um, and player profiler calling him more like a Brandon Allen. Austin, again, you know, I don't think that a lot of these guys wowed us on tape. And and that wasn't the case again here with Matt Corral, correct? Yeah, I just didn't see anything that jumped out to me. You know, I'm looking at his top standing statistics on what pokes out the most. You know, he's tied for fifth and turnover worthy play rate um, screen yards. He was seventh in the nation. Those are his two strongest attributes. I, I'm just, he could end up being the best quarterback we've ever seen. Like there is a world where that happens, but I'm not going to make a take on that based on these flimsy college stats that we see. And I think most college stats we see are flimsy. Yeah. Johnny, uh, do you have anything that stuck out to you with Corral? Anything that's going to maybe have him win at the next level that you'd be excited about for? I think excited for this, 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 <laughs> I, I think he reminds me so much of Danny Dimes. Like he really does. Like I like I could just imagine the Giants drafting him because he falls to the second round and they're like, hey, oh if Danny Dimes does not work out, we got ourselves a guy. Uh I don't know. I saw the you know exactly like he has some burst, some speed, uh, but he the wild thing. He's actually faster than what he actually looks on tape because on tape, he does not look that fast, to be honest with you. But then we looked up his 40 time, and his 40 time is actually pretty pretty fast. Or so, eight. Uh, it's it's kind of yeah, wild when you watch his tape, and it's like – yeah, also had 500 or more rushing yards in back-to-back seasons. So, uh, I mean, again, he's got yeah. some wheels as well, and that's going to help you at the next level. But is it going to be enough to push the needle for Matt Corral, or is this a guy we're going to be talking about in a couple of years as a you know a backup? Uh, if not out of the league. I mean, nothing wowed me. I don't think that, you so, know. What's wrong with being a backup, dude? I mean, it's great money. But, I mean, as yeah, far as he's concerned, we, I don't you know. You just watch football. Really... You get a front row seat yeah, every exactly. week. Well, we'll move on here to our number two quarterback. This is probably where the tier is. There's, you know, we have the pundits around the, the NFL, the experts, ourselves. We're looking at these guys and we're saying, okay, we think Pickett is is a is probably a guy that goes one, but now 
We've got Malik Willis rising up draft boards, and that's the guy we're going to talk about next is Malik Willis because although Pickett may be a lot of people's favorites, Malik Willis seems to have the most upside for us boys. And I know, Austin, that you're excited about what you see out of Malik Willis, at least compared to everybody else, but if not what he's able to do here. Six foot one, 219 pounds, went to Liberty, of course. They believe, you know, a lot of people have the, the Lions taking him here. PFF says that he kind of looks like Cordell Stewart. What did you see, Austin, when you looked at Malik Willis? Well, he did have one category that really stood out, and that was in big-time throws, which is earning the highest level of grade and can be best described as a pass with excellent ball location and timing, generally thrown further down the field and or into a tighter window. So it looks like Malik Willis has the ability to hit some big time throws, arguably better than anybody in the nation. But Travis, I was looking a little bit more closely at Malik Willis and some of the stats, and I had been going down a rabbit hole of thinking this guy had a really great average passing time ranking on this. And I really love that because he's super mobile. He looks awesome, like legitimately mobile. You get really excited about those elements and then compare that with a big time throw rate. You're like, Ooh, hello, Michael Vick, 2004. What's going on? Um, The concern that I do have though, is he's actually tied for 150th in the NFL for average time to throw. This guy sits back there in the back of, and he sits behind the line of scrimmage a lot. And that makes sense. You know, if he's got the ability to run, He's going to take a look at things, but I am a little bit concerned of how that translates into the NFL. I know he's got a fast arm, which is great. That's a positive metric. I think he's got one of the quickest release times in in the of the college prospects, but he's outside of 150 for average time to throw, and I just see sacks coming his way then, especially if a team that's not very good picks him up thinking he's a shortcut to wins like we saw with the Bears and Justin Fields or even, dare I say, RG3 and the the Washington Redskins back then. You know, you put him in a situation where he's not really destined to succeed. He ends up getting hurt. You end up asking more out of him than you should. And there's a reason why Ronald, excuse me, not Ronald Scott's coming in here saying true pocket passers will always rule. I'm not going to I'm not going to be as so. um Definite as to say always, but we keep wanting mobile quarterbacks to be the future. And who were the two quarterbacks in last year's Super Bowl? Burrow and Stafford. I'm not calling those mobile guys. So I like the upside. It's exciting from a fantasy perspective. We love those 45 rushing yards you expect to see, but I'm I'm not salivating for Malik Willis either. Johnny, how about you? Did you? I mean, I, again, this seems to be a, just kind of a weaker QB class. But do you have something here in Malik Willis that you're excited to see where he lands and and kind of get get your wheels up for him in fantasy? Yeah, I I mean, I think if he gets if he lands with Pittsburgh, I would be very excited. I would be very intrigued at uh, his potential. Now, I think it could be a good thing that he doesn't have to have that weight of starting you know, right away. Now, could he end up winning the job and and starting week one? I think he could because I don't know, you know, Mitch Trubisky is going to hold off very many people. We know what Mitch is. We've seen it. But again, they could bring Malik a little bit uh, along a little bit, right? Um, and, and just so he could really kind of learn the system. And then I think that with what we've seen from Pittsburgh and just how they develop talent, uh, they will be able to make that work. And and he has the ability to be a fantasy, I, I, you know, looking at what his tangibles are and depending on what 
where he goes and the weapons, of course. But that could be, yeah, I guess that's, of course, with every player, right? But I'm, I'm just saying, if he ends up going to Pittsburgh, I think that that would be the sky is the limit. I love that, dude. I think Mike Tomlin is so understanding of all of the human components that go into being successful in this game. I think he could do wonders for mm-hmm. Malik Willis. I mean, he's winning fucking games with who's that guy that, um, uh, uh, dude, the duck. I was just saying, Duck Hodges. Mason Rudolph, right. Uh, uh, um, who's the Browns defender who beat him up? <laughs> uh, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Yes. Thank you for that one. Um, if he's winning games with Mason Rudolph and he's winning games with 39 year old Big Ben, like, man, what could he do with, with, like some actual talent. Well, and the thing was, was he came out and he was like, just like they, just like uh, my, my guy, Bane time to go mobile. He wanted, he said he wanted a mobile quarterback. Who's, well, who's he's got better, who's more... right. Yeah, I mean, but that's come on. That's like, that's like saying, you know, we, we laugh about Danny dimes being mobile. Mm. Yeah, he can, he can, oh, no. The it's, shadow monster more mobile than Danny dimes in my opinion. Yeah, but I th- I think Johnny, your point there about Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers is exactly what I'm getting to with my like sounds like hollow takes on these quarterbacks, but there really is only so much you can pull together to give an honest take on where they're headed at the next level. If any of these quarterbacks landed with Mike Tomlin, I would be very excited about what he'd be able to do because mm-hmm. I think development is such a critical part in the NFL, especially at the quarterbacking position. I don't think Mike Tomlin would shortcut these guys' development, and I'd be really excited to see what he'd be able to produce with any of these quarterbacks. I'll tell you where we don't want him to go, and that would be Seattle. Because Seattle, he would be efficient. He would be a probably a pretty solid quarterback, but you would not get the ceiling that you would really want. Mm-hmm. So grinding the mocks, they kind of take all the mock drafts that are out there for the NFL draft, and they basically put them into a spreadsheet. A meat they grinder. Us, they, they give us a, a number, and they've put Malik Willis as an EDP rank of seven. So that's about his average pick. Like number seven is where he's going. If we look top at those, 10? Yeah, yeah, he's going to right after like Carolina. Yeah, if we Carolina. look at those teams, I mean, the Jets have two picks in there: Houston, Jacksonville, Detroit, the Giants, uh, Carolina. Atlanta, Seattle, any of those teams, you know, none of those are Pittsburgh. Any of those teams that are within that top 10 that you'd get excited about. Does Carolina get us excited? No, but I'll tell no, you they, what. They, what, they, what hey, Newton, dude. hey, hey, remember, remember another seven that played for Atlanta? Michael Vick. Yeah, how fun. I think that if, if he goes to Atlanta, I do think it would be a really good fit for um for the Atlanta Falcons. And I think you'd be really interesting there. Freak stomper coming in here with some nuggets on uh, our guy, Malik Willis. He can't get past his first read, never keeps yeah. his eye down the field. Once he feels any pressure, it's head down run. He has a powerful arm, but not that good scatter shot. I don't see it at all. And that's part of the, you know, what PFF said as the cons here is that he needs better pocket presence uh, when he's there. So we can see that for sure. We can see a guy who's lived off his mobility, who's lived off his athletic, you know, prowess. And I, you know, I, I don't mind the Detroit landing spot. Sit behind mm-hmm. Goff for a year or two, right? That's where he's being mocked a lot. And then, you know, Goff's a guy that's a typical pocket passer. Maybe you learn some things from Goff, and maybe this is something that looks a little bit brighter in a couple years uh, for Malik Willis in Detroit when they've got a lot more pieces around him. 
that was a great point that he brought up. I, you know, watching tape, I didn't, I did see that. The, the one issue, the reason he can develop that. The other thing is oftentimes with college, they're not super complex routes. And so mm. it's usually fit for like one receive like this play is intended for this guy. Yeah, it will like be that. open. It's like so. that thing again. It's like, oh my God, he's burning all these people. And you know, like, are we going to get mad? Cause he's doing the right thing. Like we're mad. Cause he goes yeah. one read that works all the time. And he threw a bunch of touchdowns there. I don't know. Right. So <laughs> against who playing for Liberty, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, our last quarterback is a guy that a lot of people think should be the first drafted quarterback. Um, Kenny Pickett, who went to Pittsburgh, six foot three, 217 pounds. We have PFF comping him to Sam Darnold. I don't know boy. If I love that if I'm Kenny Pickett, but he was a good college prospect. And then Ryan Tannehill is who player profiler says they remind him of. He did have some wheels himself here. If we look at, you know, Kenny Pickett again, Austin, you know, I like what you said there. These would sound like hollow takes maybe, but again, like if we think it's a weak class, we then look at the film. It kind of looks like a weak class. And then we're like, Hey, we're just not going to get overexcited about these guys. Right. Because statistically what's that even in dynasty, like if you were like excited about Zach Wilson, and then you drafted him. Are you feeling good about Zach Wilson right now? Yeah. You're feeling like, Oh yeah, he could get there. But like these rookies are often like they're, you know, most of the time they're not going to be that great. So with that, you drafted Austin, Mac Jones, who Mac Jones, I don't think you're that excited though, either. I'm not about Mac, Jones. Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones yeah. is like no. your ceiling's not Sorry. really well, existent. Well, I'm but not either way. I, <laughs> I mean, either way. I mean, his ceiling is Tom Brady. Fuck no, no it's it not. not. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Mac Jones don't ceiling think... is not Tom Brady. I mean, sure it is. Sure it is. How sure is it, is. it not? Sure. It's the sure. same fucking system. In the same way that any of these incoming quarterbacks, anything is possible. Sure. sure. Exactly. Sure. The, what are the odds? Like next to nothing. Very slim. I'm not I'm I'm not over here saying like, oh, it's a what are you 90. Saying? I'm not yeah, saying what are it's you a saying? I literally saying. you're just saying like, oh, he could end up being the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, he sure. Could. Yeah. He could and, end up and, dead tomorrow too, Johnny. Like, what are we saying? Are we actually is it a contrarian take? Yeah, are I would you actually say saying I, that Mac Jones is going to be more like Tom Brady or more like not playing in the NFL? No, oh, he'll be he'll be more like Tom Brady than not playing in the NFL. I can I would say that's a good percentage. Now, does he win? You know, six? How many does he have? Six championships or more than that? I, has seven Super Bowls. Seven Super Bowls. Does he win seven Super Bowls? No, but do I think he wins two? A playoff game? Do I think he wins two? uh super bowls or more i would i would bet he wins more than two super bowls are you fucking kidding me dude like a real talk you think mac jones is gonna win two or more super bowls why is that because bill belichick yes and they have and he knows how to use mac jones and mac jones is the guy that can get that system to where it hasn't won a playoff game since tom brady left here we go here we go i don't it's he had to rebuild. The greatest quarterback walked out the damn door when he thought he was coming oh, back. Was a, and you want, it, and you want him to uh, – right. I, uh, well, again, I am saying Tom Brady did prove me. That's why I completely went all out on the Tom Brady as the GOAT uh, conversation and, and on the show. It was because he proved to me that he wasn't just a system quarterback. But the other thing, again, is that – 
You just had the court, the greatest quarterback walk out the door. And in two years, you were made, you were completely turned a franchise that looked like it was absolutely going to be in shambles for the next decade. And you have put in place a quarterback that looks very, very competent. He looked like the best quarterback last year uh, of that entire class. And he was the last one taken in that round. Yeah. So, but you, know, you know, you know who uh, had more passer rating games of over 120 than Davis uh, 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 Mills. Okay. And, and, That's Baker right, Mayfield, baby. and Baker Mayfield had uh, set the all time rookie record over all the quarterbacks that he's ever uh, came before. Does that mean he's better than all of them? No. Baker Mayfield or Mac Jones? I'm taking Mac Jones over Baker Mayfield. Oof. Really? Man, that, I just know you love Baker must, Mayfield. That must have hurt. I'm saying as a quarterback to start an app, like if you're saying, Johnny, you are now handed the keys to X, Y, and Z uh, team as the GM. Is Mac you Jones to going him, to be better I'm putting than in Mac Jones in this class? Yes. Guaranteed that fact. Okay. Well, we uh, we were supposed to be talking about Kenny Pickett, so we'll try and talk about <laughs> Kenny Pickett here. Wow, Austin, when you looked at Pickett, we talked a little bit about, obviously, Mac Jones and kind of the lukewarmness of these quarterbacks. But mm -hmm. are you seeing more of, you know, uh, excitement in, in Kenny Pickett? Uh, <clears throat> I'll tell you one thing. I, there's not a lot of college moments that I can get excited about because it's a totally different playing field. It's it's a the, the the defensive backs, the edge rushers, they're slower, they're weaker. Sometimes you get a little bit more processing time in college, which allows you to unfold your game. And some guys need that much time for their game to unfold. We talked about Tim Tebow. That's a guy who comes to mind as a great example of somebody who needed more time to have their game unfold. I looked at Kenny Pickett's still film needs and I time for he still needs time, right? unfold. He's gonna come back as a tight end, Johnny. Give him some time. Um, so Kenny Pickett, though, I you know, fifth in nation in deep yards. I think he looks fine. I think he looks okay. The one thing that actually gets me excited about Kenny Pickett is what he's probably most famous for. And that's that, that's that fake little slide that he pulled. Because what that shows me is he's really thinking critically. He's looking at every tool that's available to him. And he's under, he understands the mental game of it. He understands the rules of the game. And he's trying to figure out ways to manipulate the rules with where the mental side of the defense is to give him an advantage. And that play, he blew it up. He to it totally worked. And then they changed the rules of the, N of the NCAA. And they're probably going to change the NFL rules because of what Kenny Pickett did in college. So to me, that shows somebody with an ability to read between the lines in a way that nobody up until that point had done. And we're all trying to make plays. And he made a huge play from that. So you talk about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. They are masters at examining every situational football. Yeah. I'm going to put a left footed punter in just so the ball spins differently, says Bill Belichick. You know, I'm going to deflate the balls just a little bit because it gives me a little extra <laughs> edge. Like all of that shit. I think that that's brilliant. Right. And Kenny Pickett in that one play demonstrated brilliance. Am I saying he is brilliant? No but he's able to tap into it. At least he showed us that he could think that way and then pull it off. And that does show me at least he's thinking a little bit differently and he's got the balls to go for it. So I like that, but any of the other college metrics, I don't really care. I could be, could be good. could be not good. I want to make a bet with Johnny about Mac Jones. Now, 
Mac Jones never mm-hmm. sniffing a Super Bowl. No way. Johnny mm-hmm. must have gotten into the glue again. Like, can we make a bet about if Mac Jones is going to ever win a Super Bowl at all? Or I'll even take yeah. like Ronald coming in here. I'm high on T Law. I would be trading for Ooh. him. I take T Law like versus Mac Jones. Like I would you take T Law. You win think T Law is going to win a? Yeah, right. I, look, I'll I make love that Belichick, bet. and I'll, I'll be on make the side of you with Belichick all the time. I, I get that. Well, not this I, time, clearly, because you're saying you'd take T. Can Law. you shut up for five seconds? Thanks. <laughs> okay, I think that obviously Belichick's a great mastermind, but the league has changed. The AFC is fucking stacked with quarterback talent. So regardless of who we think Bill Belichick is Ooh. or what he can do, they're not winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. Not while Matt Mahomes and Allen and Russ and all these guys live within the AFC. Like, it's not happening. They're not feasting on the Dolphins anymore because now the Dolphins have an offense. Now Bills. the Bills are the best team in the in that conference. Like, the Bills went in and beat the brakes off of Bill Belichick, embarrassed him in that okay. game, in the playoffs. That One is – Yeah. It's, it's big also, game. Uh, it's two games. The game Matt, they played and last Mac year. And Jones is a, a rookie quarterback. Okay. And in Josh which, Allen, in, in which he already and Josh Allen fucks harder than Mac Jones ever will. Okay, I'm not. I, what? I'm not. That what does that have to do with the price? What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? The same kind of arguments that you have. What does that have like, to do with the price of tea in China? It doesn't. Exactly. We're not talking about going up. We're not talking about going up. Thanks. Are we right. talking about so, China, Johnny? So no. My, so my We're point not. is, is that Mac Jones, who you guys continue to disrespect, uh, <laughs> he he went in. It, it, no one, no one really expected the the uh, Patriots to pull off that that game, and the and the playoffs. They were more more people were actually surprised that the Patriots were actually able to get into the playoffs with a rookie sure quarterback. Like three, so I don't know that like or four and a half. Like it wasn't like you're acting like they knew that was going to happen. Everybody right. was so no, surprised right. that they got Every, their ass beat No, like right. Exactly. Be, but like, again, you just like, again, it's like these, it reminds me of uh, listening, you know, NBA playoffs is going on right now. And you've got these teams that the, they'll win a game. And, and they're not projected to win the whole series. They're just Uh-oh. they win a game, and then afterwards, it's like it's like everyone just forgets hey, about how the, the, the Bills are definitely the New Orleans Pelicans. It's like, yeah, are yeah, you talking about the Bills and the New Orleans Pelicans? Right, Pelicans beating your sons, and now and now you're you're oh that's the Bills. No, but it fantasy? it's not. It wasn't. It was actually. It wasn't. It was like um a different team actually. The Bulls. Bulls the Bulls. Yeah. Okay. Um, but. Uh-huh. I, I just think it's it's hilarious that we have the you know we just forget about everything that came before, and and then look at what the situation is and say hey that was pretty so, pretty new damn impressive. Comes in and we change our mind and I've changed my mind about the Patriots being a juggernaut ever again until they get a dynamic quarterback and Mac Jones is not a dynamic quarterback. This so, is a good, I would actually legit question on this one here, and like I, I have enjoyed um, throwing a little bit of doubt Bill Belichick's way because I don't think Bill Belichick allows for the individual to be the best version of themselves, and I think he's a little militaristic, and I think his time might have been amazing, and that time might be a bit over with. So the question here is, how old is Bill? He's seventy years old. Yeah, Bill Belichick is seventy years old. It's like, is he gonna play? Is he gonna play till he's eighty? Like, is he going to coach for ten more years? Let's let's just say he does. Let's Probably say he coaches for Matt ten Jones more years. Keeps when we've got championships, when we've got the Sean Paytons, or excuse me, the um, Los Angeleses and the Cincinnatis and the Matt Lafleurs and the um, Mike McDaniel's, which we hope is good over there in Miami, and we've got the Kyle Shanahan's who are impressed with the way they think. 
and we'll see how Josh McDaniel now does. You know, the other the other McDaniel was with an S. But Bill Belichick is watching new talent come up and it's coming up strong. And the game to Travis's point has also evolved. So if Bill Belichick is willing to evolve, fine. But I haven't yet seen Bill Belichick evolve the way he goes about it. And I'm a little bit concerned. Like, can you win without having some wide receiver talent? Is Devontae Parker going to be enough? Is Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris going to be enough offensive talent to beat your, the Bills or the Bengals? No, uh, I, I mean, so. they're going, they, they're getting better. They already the traded East. for Parker. They already traded for Parker. They're, they're, they're better now. Moves. Well, I mean, then last year. Yeah. They're better than last year. And then again, you keep at, you keep saying you know like, like Bill better? Belichick doesn't make any adjustments. Bill Belichick is the king of making adjustments. He is the reason why yeah, he, in game adjustments. Yes, he makes, but they haven't changed the style that they play for years. I mean, and, they and also why don't, to be a team that runs in the top five. Maybe, Maybe you Every should go year. back to when Bill Belichick played Sean McVay and Sean McVay admitted this right before the Super Bowl this year. So you can also double check what he was saying, but he on the, when the year before, uh, when the Patriots played the Rams and completely took him out of his game plan, Sean McVay even said Bill Belichick completely outcoached me and I had no, I was lost. Who's behind center in that game for the Patriots? It what did he, again? It was Bill Belichick as the head coach, was it not? It was okay. And Bill Belichick, same head coach, and, same president. Let Tom Brady go. That shows big questions in judgment. He to didn't me. let Tom Brady go. Did you hear Robert Tom Kraft Brady talk about the way? Did you hear Robert Kraft Tom talk Brady about the way that out. Bill Belichick? Do you know why Tom Brady wanted out? Have you heard because, Robert Kraft because, talk on the matter? No, apparently not. That's no. something to look into because Bill Belichick did not treat Tom Brady with the respect that Tom Brady felt he deserved. So much to the point, he didn't want to play for that team anymore. Right. And Bill Belichick so thought he could replace Tom Brady. Meanwhile, Tom Brady and has a Super Bowl. Bill Belichick doesn't have a playoff win. It's been two years, That's first all of all. And again, Three they years. just got this is the third year coming up. This is it's been the first year Tom Brady won in Tampa Bay or the second year was last year. Correct. Yeah, this will be three. years. The, yeah, this will be three yeah. years. Just last year, three they years. got Mac Jones. Right. Two years ago, they had to get a wash Cam Newton because they thought they were getting Tom Brady back. Tom Brady wanted to leave because, yes, partially was because uh, he didn't get all of what he wanted from uh, Bill Belichick. But the um, other Belichick's part, tired. the other part was he was tired of everyone saying, Hey, you're a system quarterback. You've only won with the greatest coach of all time and Bill Belichick. Was it really you or was it really Belichick? So he wanted to go win with himself to say, hey, no, I am the GOAT. And he did. Exactly. And he did. Yes. And I said, yes, you are the GOAT. But does that mean that you're taking back all those years in which Bill Belichick was the head coach and there were times when no, Tom you Brady was them in. not the a quarterback and he right, was and he had successful. Yeah, was he without saying. Tom Brady? You're has he won more games or lost more? You're games? essentially saying that he can take Mac Jones from what you've seen in Mac Jones' rookie season, in which like he was very yes. underwhelming. He was he very was like, good. It was okay. He's the best rookie quarterback. Okay, that means that that fucking class sucked. 
That means Davis Mills was. So it means it sucks because one guy is doing well. Guy, no, it means that Trevor Lawrence, who was supposed to be the number one prospect, Zach Wilson, who you liked more than any other QB. Yeah, I I did like Zach Wilson. Dog shit. So let's not act like Mac Jones is a world beater. He had a decent year, and he completed a bunch to running backs and tight ends. He didn't because that's what the system does. Tom Brady did the same thing. Okay. He ran well, the that's same That's not system. going to win anymore, Johnny. I, oh, my gosh. We'll find out, though. We we'll will. find out. We'll find out. Johnny, before we I, close out, because we've totally taken the middle of Pickett's uh, review here and <laughs> talked about Belichick and Mac Jones, which I think is great, but because obviously Freak Stomper, Ronald, everybody getting involved here. But what did you see out of Pickett's film here, and where do you think he can land? Will he be like the GOAT Mac Jones, or will he be more like – you know, the dog trash that's out there. Sam Darnold, uh, probably like Sam Darnold. Uh, I Again, it, he's probably going to go to Carolina. That's where he's being linked. Again, I just think he's like he has some nice touch. Again, there is uh, he did show, obviously, some very nice uh, upside. And there was a reason why even in a diminished class, he's um, on that top tier. Now, when you're comparing them over the last few years, would you have even put them in the top five? Probably not. Um, and that's why I'm not like super excited. And that's why I think a lot of these teams are saying, hey, because it isn't, you know, not even Pickett is a guarantee that he is going to be anything better than uh, an average quarterback, then why not take the upswing and some of these other players that could be, and you'll know a lot quicker, Hey, this guy is real or, or, and we actually got a steal and we uncovered something or Hey, we could just move on because it's clear that and obvious that he isn't the guy. And so, um, you know, will I, do you think Pickett? I think I honestly saw, you know, Kirk cousins or, you know, a Matt Ryan potential from him as a ceiling, I could be completely wrong, but that's that's again from watching this game from so many. Like that's exactly who I saw when I watched, and I was like, okay. Um, so you feel like it's a Matt Ryan ceiling and a Sam Darnold floor? Yes. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that sounds like every other quarterback. <laughs> but <laughs> just, I, just really I, quick, I, like, as, we're, as we're kind of wrapping these ones out, I just want to paint the picture. You know, like we take Blaine Gabberts. You know, in the in the in the top of the drafts, we're excited. Baker Mayfield. So I, I'm still saying there's juice, but I'm just pointing at another example of a guy we take, and then a couple of years later, we're like I don't, I don't know. Trevor Lawrence. You know, there's reasons why he'd be there. I'm with Ronald here or, or Scott. I, I think Trevor Lawrence got a lot coming to him. But then we talk a lot about Tom Brady, right? This guy was taken in the sixth round. We talk about Aaron Rodgers taking 24th. These types of quarterbacks, like I just don't think we have enough out of college to really be able to give a meaty take on them well and again it's so hard to at this point it is nice you know and it's helpful going through and seeing all these guys so again join us during the nfl draft we will be going live so this is really nice to have these conversations then and then seeing where they ultimately go that is the big piece because then you can actually somewhat see what systems are like and then start plugging in numbers and and seeing what outcomes could potentially be um but again I want to throw it back to you guys and say, if you had like you are it, you know, you need a quarterback for your dynasty team this year. Which one of these quarterbacks are you taking? Like you have the one one you de- like you need. You're not taking like, let's say you well, have one. Like, you're probably not taking any of these guys, right? Let's say it's a super flex. 
Okay. Like super flex. You have one quarterback. I'm still you, not taking one of these. You, let's yeah. say, let's say, which super quarterback you taking? Yeah, yeah, which quarterback you taking? You have to take. One. I think it has to be Malik Willis. Like I just think the the mystery box, the upside, the potential. Now, obviously, it'll it depends on where they land and what I think is a clearer path to like and the weapons around him and the the scheme and all that. But Malik Willis, right now, before they're drafted, mystery box, like that's the guy I'm going with. The one thing we do know is Malik Willis is fast, and we know that that speed can transfer. We know that he might be still getting sacked a lot, but that speed can transfer. And that's almost the only thing that we can know for sure is that Malik Willis has athletic and he's going to be able to do work in the open field if he can get there. So I agree with Travi that Kenny Pickett, though, fake slide. I don't want to overinflate that, but I'll tell you what, as I watch Kenny Pickett progress his rookie season and beyond that one move right there is going to be what I continually reflect back on to how I think he views the entire game of football. And if that's true, I think Kenny Pickett is the man, but I'm, I'm going to temper that take and go with Malik Willis until I get a chance to see how Kenny Pickett works out. And then in three years, I'm going to take these little nuggets and I'll put more weight into them moving forward. Yeah. And I think that's a good point about like, we were talking about this when we were looking at the film, Johnny and Austin, like we were talking about, with quarterbacks, I, you know, like, what are we, what, what can we gain from the film? Like, what can we see out of this film and say, oh, that's a way that they, you know, view the game, game differently. That that's a way that they elevate. It slows down for them. And I think Austin makes a great point there. Like that Kenny Pickett slide. And I don't, you know, I hope people don't look at it as him blowing up this one play, but I think it's actually smart to look at it as like, Hey, this is him in real time processing a big moment and, and doing something with it. And that, you know, could be a gamer moment for him. And if he comes into the league and he, he's a gamer, I don't think Austin's going to be surprised based on what he saw out of Pickett there. Johnny Manziel is a gamer too. A little too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little too much. He was a beer pong he, he, gamer. He gamed this. He gamed yeah. this. Oh, my God. Dude, I'd still uh, love to party with Johnny Manzo, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it would be a good time. All right. Well, well that's going to do it for our show. But before we take all the way off, not our clothes, just off the air, I wanted to speak <laughs> about uh, checking our biases, biases at the door. Uh, I'm a Lakers fan. They're out of the playoffs this year. It's been a little bit brutal. And I was coming into the NBA playoffs a little bit spiteful. Uh, didn't really want to watch. I have now watched pretty much every night, and I checked my biases at the door, and I have just enjoyed this. And it's nice to not have an emotional investment in these playoffs and just mm -hmm. watch them purely for what they are. And the NBA is in great hands. I mean, we have the Golden State Warriors looking absolutely dominant. We have a little bit – obviously, the Suns coming in as the best team in the league, and, and now with a little bit of adversity, we get to see them climb over that wall again. Again, like they always do the Boston Celtics. I mean, who doesn't love watching mm. Kyrie and KD getting beat and the way that they mm. are defending KD. I mean, there's, there's just so much good basketball going on, both the Pelicans and the Bulls, like Johnny was talking about. And it's just about, for me, it's about like, get out of your own way. Sometimes mm. don't just let your own sourpuss attitude, your biases kind of get in the way, uh, go and enjoy what you like to enjoy, what you know that you enjoy uh, and, and check it out. Other than that, that's it for me, boys. For Austin Sear, for Johnny Game Time Hicks, I'm Big Travi. We're the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. 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 You stuck through the whole TFW live show. Congratulations. Well, if you like what you saw, make sure you hit subscribe. If you want more videos from the Fantasy Whispers, make sure you hit one of these videos.